money on. Get your money on. Get your money on. Get your money on. Bag talk. Businessman. Man, I'm a businessman. Money talk. You run our podcast, bro. I ain't a businessman, I'm a business man. Now let me handle my business. <laughs> Here we are, man. Another classic. We've been bringing a lot of classics, man. A lot of classic episodes. I think it's I think it's a black women magic. But this one particular uh, special guest by the name of Mona Lisa Prosper. Mona Lisa Prosper, man. The name itself catches you. You know what I'm saying? It's a classic name. It's a classic name. And then to finish it off with Prosper. Mm. And, and she prospered, man. So, you know, from Montreal of Haitian descent. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the first things she told us. And mm. it's something that she holds a lot of pride in. Proud Her Haitian community. Descent. Um, super proud Haitian descent. And it's mm-hmm. something that we resonated with as mm-hmm. North Preston natives, as black Nova Scotian natives. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that piece as well uh, is huge and kind of determined who she became, right? That That pride and that that foundation led to a great life for sure. They say it's hard to know where you're going if you don't know where you come from. Amen. And Amen. I would say, you know, if you don't know your starting point, you don't know what route you're going to take to mm-hmm. get where you plan to go. Mm-hmm. I think it's super important to know your starting point. Yes. Mona Lisa Prosper, she knows, knows her, her starting, starting point. point. Yeah. A lawyer, uh, fashion school, um, spent a little time studying health science. Yeah. Spent a little time Working for the government, and more recently, Futurepreneur, mm-hmm. doing some great things with Futurepreneur. Um, and this was a great convo, man. We, we kind of dug into her journey, you know, heard a lot of great stories, went a lot of great places. Dynamic person, mm-hmm. a wealth of knowledge, mm-hmm. a forever learner. Yes. This episode, we really dig into like what it means to try and mm. then try again. And try again, even if you got it right. Even if you got it right. Keep trying. Keep trying. Because why not? Why not? There's always another level to grow mm. and go to. So, you know, I, I think this story is, is one of those. Like, even when I'm winning, I'm yeah. going to keep going. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Job's not done. Job's not done. Job's yeah. not finished out to Kobe. And she's behind the boards. Yes. Right? So she's behind the boards of, like, when you look at the computer screen, you're filling up for application. She's mm. on the other side of that board. Mm-hmm. So to kind of get her insights, you know, super dope, super yeah. cool. So, yeah. You know, if you're somebody that's, you know, thinking of starting a business or you already started a business or you're in law school or you're out of law school or you're a practicing Trying lawyer to figure your life and out. you got to itch for something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this 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 interview is for you. It really resonate with you. Yeah. Sit down, grab your pen and pad, lock in. There's a lot to, to, to consume in this episode, mm-hmm. um, but it's a great convo. She's a great lady from Montreal. Yeah. Um, Haitian descent. Yeah, she she came out here for the Black Summit and and poof, got off the plane and came and chatted with us. Yeah, and it was a great natural convo, um, and always a convo to help you elevate. Yeah, and help you get to that bag. So yeah, tap in. Now let me handle my business. Here we are, season three, season episode, two, three. episode three. Yeah, um, we're real excited. We got a very 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 special guest here today, Mona Lisa Prosper. Let's give her a round of applause. Hey. Round of applause. Round of applause. <laughs> All the way in from all the way from Montreal. Montreal, Montreal. Just yes. flew in an hour ago. Mm. Just flew. How was the flight? The flight was great. Thank yeah, you so right. much for having me. I'm yes. excited. Thanks. I'm excited. Yes. Welcome yes. to Halifax. Thank Welcome you. Welcome to uh, Halifax. Yeah, yeah. Halifax, I went to say North, North Preston, but we're not yeah, North yeah, Preston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, welcome to North Preston. She's gonna she's gonna pop by. She's gonna check yes, the Black Culture yes, Center. Yes. All that good stuff. We had a little chat about about the history. But um, welcome. We're super excited to, to have you here. Um, it's a big weekend. It is a big weekend. Yeah, it's it a is big a big weekend. weekend. The uh, the Black Summit. What's the official name of the it? 
National Black Canadian yeah, Summit, National I believe. National Black Canadian yes. Summit. Yeah. Yes, we were. Um, we went to a talk a few years ago with Michelle Jean. Michelle Jean. Honorable. honorable. The Honorable. The Honorable Michelle uh, Yes. And she was telling us that it was coming here. Obviously, COVID uh, put a pause on that, but mm -hmm. it's back around. It's here. And there's some great black people here, including yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so like you said, you know, we're, we're super excited to have you. Shout out to Alfred and the folks at Tribe making the connection. Um, we did some digging in, and it's a super inspiring story that, you know, our listeners will be very happy to hear. And and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into some great things. Um, so, yeah, just wanted to, to welcome you for sure. So we're going to get right into it. Originally born and raised in Montreal of a Haitian background. Tell us a bit about that. You know, growing up in Montreal, um, you know, I, I have some friends from Montreal that, that have Haitian background. A lot of Haitians in Montreal. Shout out to the Haitians. Love Haitian food. I mean, <laughs> they got some great food. Um, but yeah, just just curious to, to hear about what, what that was like. Yeah. As you said, uh, born and raised in Montreal of two Haitian parents, mm -hmm. two very proud Haitian parents, mm, I'm going to say, because that's that's key in uh, in who I am and yes. in everything that I do and in my story. Um, and, you know, there's a very large Haitian community in in Montreal. So I have I have a lot of family all over the world, but I have a lot of family also locally in Montreal. Nice. And um, the thing that I appreciate, well, not no, I appreciated many things, if not all of my childhood. But one thing that really stands out whenever I get asked about my roots and, and my Haitian heritage is how much it was important for my parents to transmit mm -hmm. everything that, you know, their pride, their yes. knowledge, and for us to know the good and the bad, mm -hmm. to know and understand, mm -hmm. um, and to make sure that as much as possible, we could connect to the country. Mm -hmm. So it really felt like in my household, it was very Haitian, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. without neglecting the fact that I, you know, I'm both Quebecer, Canadian, and Haitian. I can't fully right, identify right. to one or the other because yeah. it's really both who make me who I am. Because at the end of the day, you know, I, I grew up, uh, I grew up there. So whenever I visit my um, my family in Haiti, I feel the difference, right, and and right, also right. the 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 Haitian uh, Haitian people also mm -hmm. view me as yeah yeah, yeah you're yeah, not yeah, really yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 but yeah that was a key part and it's it's really um, it's it's a huge part of uh, of who I am mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah no for uh, for me specifically well, for us it's my little brother but you know for us you know I resonate a lot with that um, you know our parents are both from North Preston very proud North Preston people. So like, you know, there's there's people who are from somewhere, but mm -hmm. then there's people who are proud to be from somewhere. And I think that it's always worth a mention to that. Like, yep. you know, there is a difference. Yep. You know what I mean? Like when, when somebody's from somewhere and somebody's proud to be from somewhere, I think that it like, it really transmits well into the next generation. Like mm -hmm. you carry that with you. And I think that's like a blessing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like absolutely. it's an ultimate blessing for sure. Yeah. To, to know where you come from and, and to be proud of it. I think a lot of our blessings and who we are mm -hmm. has been that as well. Mm -hmm. You know, we represent, I, I told you a bit about my basketball background. Whenever I played in the States and Greece, anywhere, I wanted North Preston to be, mm -hmm. you know, and North Preston like our, is our country. Yeah, like That's yeah, where, yeah. when mm -hmm. people ask where we're from, it's, it's North Preston. Um, so so I can really resonate with, with that that pride. Yeah. Um, like I said, you know, there's a, there's a huge Haitian community in Montreal. Um, so what was that like? Was there a lot of, did you grow up in a, a Haitian community? Was there a lot of, you know, family or, or, or Haitian 
people around you? How, how did that look for you? Yes. So I'd like to add my parents are very proud Haitians and they're people who love to gather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Join the club. Yeah. <laughs> Join the, club. the story of black people majority across the world. <laughs> yeah. we, we just love to be we together. Love to gather, yeah. yeah, sure. And it's sure. the beauty of it all, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... I grew up around, so like I said, I have I have lots of different un- aunts and uncles, and I'm pretty sure it's like that throughout the Black community. But in 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 the Haitian community, we have a lot of what we call quote unquote Haitian cousins. So mm-hmm. people that my parents grew up with, yeah. and so their kids are are cousins, yeah, and their yeah, aunts and yeah, uncles. Yeah. So everybody, you know. So I grew up with a really really um a large family, and so one thing, my home, my household was actually where every summers all the kids from the family from Haiti, from New Orleans, wow, from everywhere wow. would come because wow. my mom. Uh, is a teacher she's retired now nice. um and so all the kids would just be there and i'm the youngest of a family of four okay gotcha but the youngest from really far mm-hmm. so my goal was always to be with the older ones and yes, fit yes, in yes, so yes, i yes. really grew up well surrounded in a very uh, i'm gonna say haitian culture mm-hmm. mixed in with mm-hmm. the american culture the canadian culture right, right. um and yeah and as well locally any anytime we would get got a chance to gather we would do that and another thing that my parents did a lot for example um my my dad is a big music fan mm-hmm. if i may say mm-hmm. he taught himself how to play piano he's nice. you know jazz is his thing so i grew up listening to lots of jazz but also lots of haitian uh, music and so when i when it was time for me to learn to play piano because all four of us played piano yeah, 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 gotcha. <laughs> um it was important for 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 him and for myself in, in learning that there is such a thing as classical haitian music mm-hmm. So I had to learn um, uh, certain certain songs from classical Haitian composers, you know. So anytime they could add that layer to whatever it was that we that I was doing that we were all uh, doing, um, they did, and and I love that, and mm-hmm. I'm so excited for when when I have kids, I want to be able to do that, right, right, you know, because right. it, it's like you said at the very beginning, knowing where you come from, understanding where you come from, gives you so much more solid grounds mm-hmm. in you know in who you are and your confidence and your identity certainly that's, that's what it was that's like big, yeah very yeah, big yeah yeah you obviously you know grew up to be an entrepreneur um you, you started some some businesses some some pretty pretty great businesses when you were younger what what was that like did you see entrepreneurs around how were you in, in school i know for me you know i was starting businesses since age four selling potatoes and <laughs> just always had that entrepreneurial spirit you know how, how was that for you did you ever did you see anything like that Growing up, you know what? Uh, funny enough, not really. If uh-huh. not, not at all. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I kind of always was somewhat intrigued mm-hmm. by you know businesses, the business world. But I mean, my my dad's a doctor, my mom's a teacher, mm-hmm. my sister's a psychologist. That you know, so it's very like very traditional, professional. professional. Yeah. So yeah. It, and it, and it, and it, around me, it was mostly that as well. The mm-hmm. cousins, the aunts and uncles. Yeah. Um. So. Entrepreneurship really only came in in my mind as a possibility, I would say around 20, 2014, mm-hmm, 2013, mm-hmm, when I was in university finishing school. I was in law school and I always tell this story. I was in law school. It was a strategic choice. Mm-hmm. I, it was never a question of, yes, I want to be, you know, I'm, it's not the typical story. I wanted to be a lawyer ever since I was a kid. No, oh, right. it was just a, a strategic choice because I knew it was a good um if I may say, first diploma, good knowledge to yes, have yes, in yes. order to go somewhere else. And I don't know what the somewhere, somewhere else, else was. was. I had right, so many right. different interests. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not not that many around me. And when I first you know, dove into entrepreneurship, I could sense the uh, stress 
my parents mm-hmm. had and oh, the yeah. people oh, around yeah. me because it was also somewhat of a foreign concept to right. them. Certainly. Breaking the chain. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah, you you yeah. go to school to be a lawyer and now you're not going into law. You're, right. you're, you're going to start a business, which, which is and which and, is and, you know, as I was doing a little bit of research, you know, on your story a bit, I was kind of curious. That was one of the questions, like, you know, kind of like where we come from and, and really anywhere, like anywhere in the world, like, Go to school, you become a doctor or a lawyer, success. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was reading your bio and it was like, graduated law school and I just wanted something more. I'm like, I'm looking around. <laughs> being I'm being saying, a lawyer is I'm the like, more. That's, that's the more. That's where, <laughs> that's that's the where everybody is, is, is going to. So when yeah. you said here, like, you know, it was a strategic choice. I kind of want to backtrack and yes. be like, what was the mind frame when you were at whatever point when you're like, I'm making this decision, but this is not necessarily mm-hmm. what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Like kind of. Walk me through that. I'm going to give four years of my life to law school after undergrad to law school, but I don't want to be a lawyer. Right. But I know this is going to be a great basis to to launch pad me into wherever I go. That's yeah. 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 That's a great question. And that's a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) We got some time. (laughs) So, um, the way, so in Quebec, you know, we have what we call CEGEP. So it's two years yes, of yes, like yes, college. Yes. And then you have to make a choice for university. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I got into CEGEP, so right after when our high school ends, I was going to become a doctor. Mm. Okay. That was, and it was really what I wanted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My dad was very happy yeah, because like I said, I'm the youngest of four and none of them became doctors. So he was right. like, oh, I'm going to pass on my passion. And, right. you know, mm-hmm. this is the one who's going to do it. Um, and when I got into CEGEP in, in the health sciences sort of um, degree, I discovered that I hated it. Mm. Um, I, I, there was no, there was no way. Right. And you know, a lot of people, because in Quebec, you can get into um, med school or law school right after CEGEP. Really? Because okay. I know that outside you have to do undergrad before. Right, yeah. um, so a lot of my friends that were also uh, pursuing a medical career and didn't think they would be able to enter medicine right away. They were like, okay, I'll just go do a, you know, a undergrad in biochemistry or mm-hmm. something else. Mm-hmm. And just the thought of that possibility, I felt dead inside. I was Mm -hmm. like, there is no way. And then it was, now what? Mm -hmm. You know? And and so I went into a whirlwind of, you know, thinking, soul searching, not really knowing. And I was 16. You're so young. You don't know who you are, what you want to do. I still don't know (laughs) what I want to do. Um, And so that's where the strategic part came in. Mm -hmm. It was more, what can I do now that I know will be secure enough, Mm. allow me to explore if that's even, you know, a possibility, Mm -hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. I'll enjoy it, but also it'll give me time to figure myself out and see, right? Right. What is it that I wanted? So that's how I say it was a strategic choice. And the funny story, when it was time to apply, you have until March 1st to apply to Mm -hmm. university of that, the last year of uh, CIGEP. And I remember it was, um, I had all these books of all these universities with all this, these different programs. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to apply to everything. Yeah. Let me just buy more time to figure out what I'm going to do. So I remember I applied <laughs> to uh, communications, business, law school. I had a really big, I still do. I'm very passionate about the fashion industry. You see okay. another weird thing coming yeah, in, yeah, but yeah, yeah. that has That's followed me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that followed me throughout my life. I learned how to sew. So I was like, oh, maybe I could go, you know, something into fashion. So I looked into that, but... Uh, I was I was scared, and that yeah, would be yeah, that yeah. would have been something very um, risk, risk, yeah, yeah. especially with, with parents that are doctors. And exactly. Like, fashion, uh, yeah, sure, so I was like, sure. this is something I know that I'm going to keep in mind, and 
I don't necessarily need to have a degree in that. For example, if I study business, because it's more the business side, right, that right, I'm interested right. in, it'll allow me to do that. So at the end, when I got all the responses that were all positive, I was like, okay, now what do I do? Yeah. I'm like, okay, just go to law school. And the university I was going to had a law and MBA program gotcha. that I was considering maybe. So that's how I ended up in law school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and cool. I mean, I think, you know, law, law gives you a strong foundation. You know, when you talk about like the, the things that you're going to learn in law school, I, I think will lead to pretty much anywhere. You know, if you're a good lawyer, if you understand the law, you can make a good yep. business owner. A lot of yep. things. Yeah. You know yeah. And, I mean? and a lot of people take that path right. of going to law school as a foundation and then they go anywhere. Even people that worked in law, in law before. Right. Uh, you look at, I just seen the government, they hired like. Oh, so five, many. you're right. Lawyers right, before, right, because right. now you can come work in in this sector and do something completely different. But yeah. that background of law and and lawyers are usually motivated people. They're usually yeah. To go, to law school, yeah go to law school, right? And I guess which is which is my next question: What was law school like? Was it <laughs> was it challenging? What, you know how how did that go for you? Uh, I hear I hear the horror stories. It's not for me. Yeah. So anyone that passes law school, I give them the give Man, them the props. Law school, my years of law school. So. I went to law school at Sherbrooke University, which is an hour and a half away from Montreal. Mm-hmm. And it's a, I want to say a student city, um, but it's not. And I'm a city girl. Like, I mm-hmm. like it when it's vibrant and it moves. And Sherbrooke's not so much like that. But luckily, I went and I uh, rented a par- an apartment with two of my friends that were also going to law school. And mm-hmm. we were at Sejep together. We were friends. So I had like a, a solid, a um, yeah, a yeah, click there. Yeah, yeah. And then I met with a whole bunch of other uh, Montreal students. And we, we were always... Like not loving Sherbrooke together, mm-hmm. <laughs> coming yeah, back yeah, every yeah. weekend. It's so not they like were... bonding on that. Yeah, we hate exactly. it here. Yeah, I've been there many times. Yeah. It was funny. So I had that uh, um, that that group that kind of kept me together throughout mm-hmm. law school, mm-hmm. and the classes. So it's funny. It's a, it's sort of a roller coaster. One of my friends always she always makes fun of me about that. So when I first got there, I'm gonna say my the first year. I was extremely motivated because I was getting out of the health sciences, coming into something that felt more connected to me, you know, mm-hmm. analyzing, understanding and, and putting things together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was all in. Yeah, I was yeah, yeah. so motivated. It was amazing. And I, and I guess the classes uh, spoke to me more. Um, and then year two came around and the interest just mm-hmm, died. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it was like, a, a, I did a complete 180 and, and my friend is always like, when you first joined, I was like involved in all these committees yeah, and so yeah. on and like trying to drag them on. And they were like, yeah, okay, relax, Mona. I'm like, no, <laughs> this is like great. And then year two, I'm like, no, you know what? I'm going to go to class. <laughs> do the bare minimum. Do, do what I have yeah. to do. Um, so yeah, I guess it was kind of a, my, my interest you know, was on mm-hmm. and off depending. Mm-hmm. I did, you know, I can't complain. I did well. Yeah, right. um, everything went well, but I spent most of my time asking myself what I was doing there mm-hmm. and what I would do with it. Mm, right. You know, because the goal was go to law school. It'll allow you to get to point B. Yeah. What is point, B? point B? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a bit of a struggle, figuring that out throughout um, throughout law school. So that's gotcha. what it was like. Gotcha. So you are a lawyer. Still a part yeah, of the bar. Yes. 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 yes, 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 yes. What, so before we go there, <laughs> clap that up. Just quick, quick answer. 
do you have to like recertify yourself every year? I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. What does that look like? Yeah. So you have to do uh, training, okay. different a number okay. of hours of training every two mm, years. Okay. And then you pay the fee to continue to, to be part, be part of, of the yeah. society. So like your, your big family, they could call you out for legal advice or you could show so up in court. Technically, whatever. yes, but mm, no, okay. uh, because <laughs> I pay the fee of the non-practicing lawyer because they're a fee for that. So right. legally speaking, I'm not allowed to give legal counsel. Okay. So yeah. But okay. yeah, they everybody always asks me, Ask me anyway. Hey, yeah. so you know, uh, so I yeah. try to help, but I'm always like, remember, I this, can't legally give advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. No, that's cool. I, I thought I felt that that's important. To Yo, that's make huge. Mention, that's, you know, that's especially huge. for our listeners, because you know, a lot of times, like, it's all about highlighting, you know, these beautiful black people, mm -hmm. specifically beautiful black women that are like doing amazing things. I think just being a part of like I'm not a practicing lawyer, but I'm still I'm still a part of the bar. I could pull up any day and just like you know what I want to do this. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I got that in the back pocket. So that's super dope. Very cool. So you finished law school, uh, you got through it, and that point B happened to be a, a business that you started. If I'm pronouncing it correctly, Proposio Three Sixty. Yes. You finished law school. Oh no, I don't want to go be a lawyer. I want to start my own business. So that was also uh, an interesting process. So the way it goes, when you finish law school, then you go to bar school. Right. Okay. So you do that, then you pass the bar, mm -hmm. and then you do your internship. So I did also all of that. All of that. And my internship was great. I ended up working for this uh, lawyer, um, a criminal lawyer. Okay. Uh, amazing woman, like a you know. You study fierce... criminal law. Yeah, I okay, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So you I can beat the case. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so and uh, criminal law because. When I was out of everything that I studied, I felt like it was the more, um, if I may say, very down to earth, mm. dealing with real, real issues, yeah. real issues. Not yeah. that the others are not real issues, yeah. but, and it was also less, uh, less procedure, less mm. written procedure, more of going to court, going to meet, you know, mm. your clients and, uh, and so on. So I got an internship in, in criminal law. I was her first uh, intern. Nice. Mm -hmm. And she had opened her small boutique office, I believe, maybe two or three years before. Okay, okay. And she was practicing alone. So it was interesting because I saw what it was like to have a uh, solo practice mm -hmm. and, you know, how you go and get your clients. How So she really involved me in everything. everything. Cool. So that was nice. And I remember I was looking at her go and something inside of me felt like, you know, when you... Not envy. Envy is not the right mm -hmm, word. Mm -hmm. But when you look at what somebody's doing, you're sort of inspired, inspired by it. Yeah. It yeah. means that you have it. It sort of means mm -hmm. like you have it inside of you. 100%. And you so, but I wasn't, it wasn't completely clear for me then. But I remember I kept on looking at, you know, the way she like her different um strategies mm -hmm, and how right, she right. went about more building her business more than how she went about the cases, to be honest. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, right. but it was it was very interesting and it was six months. And when I was done, she offered me a, a sort of a position. Mm -hmm. But at the stage where she was at, and a lot of um lawyers, solo practitioners in criminal law, they're not at the stage where they hire employees. They sort of hire like contractants. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I would have to build my own, own yeah, my own lawyer. clientele, but she'd be there. And I just, I I, I declined. Mm -hmm. We stayed in touch because we got along uh, really well, but I declined because I felt like if I went that route, I would be labeled as a criminal lawyer. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure it was what I wanted to do. Um, and I didn't feel the passion enough for me to go on and become this entrepreneur. So mm -hmm. I declined and I took a step back 
And um, I actually went to, <laughs> I went to fashion school right. for, yeah. uh, <laughs> it was my break. It was yeah, my break yeah, from yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents supported me. I could nice. sense the question marks. Mm -hmm. Like, what what are you doing exactly? Mm -hmm, right. But I was- Becoming a professional student. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I did that just one semester. I wanted to get it out of my system and do a couple of classes in uh, fashion merchandising. Got that out of the way. And still the, the, um, the conclusion was, I know that if I want to get into that field, I don't necessarily need to get the specific diploma. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, okay, Mona, you have to give law a chance. You have yeah. to figure it out. So I started looking for jobs. And at the time in Montreal, it was uh, 20, 2014. Um, the job market, especially for younger lawyers, was extremely difficult. It was hard to get in. Mm -hmm. If you didn't do your internship where you were before, it was they wouldn't hire mm -hmm. people that they had to train. So I yeah. took a couple of months, tried looking for jobs. And it was really just because I had to do it. I was not in inspired by none of the postings. I didn't feel like felt feel like I belonged. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go ahead and open my own thing mm -hmm. and then gain experience and that will allow me to mm. see what field I'm interested in. So, because I'm a very proactive person. Yes, so if I'm yes. just sitting down, not doing anything, I'm, I'm sensing I can't. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. get the sense. I'm sensing we get the that. sense. There's <laughs> two things I'm sensing. Very proactive yep. and very entrepreneurial. Everything I'm listening to is challenge. Mm -hmm. How do I solve it? Okay, I'm gonna go do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that sure. that's exactly it. But I, I, but it was unclear to me, right at that yeah, time. That's yeah. what it was, and so I went on. I opened my own firm. It was just called uh, Prosper Avocat. So basically, lawyer, my last name and lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, okay, I do criminal law, family law here and there. And I had um, a few experienced lawyers that would help me. And my close friend was a notary. She had her, she also started her own um, uh, notary um, office. Okay. So we rented our office in the same sort of co-working mm -hmm. space. Mm -hmm. And that's, I just jumped, I dove right Jump in. Right I was like, I it. need to figure it out. And I would say eight months in, um, I realized there was no way I would do family law. Mm -hmm. And I have so much respect for family lawyers because it's, you're dealing with really, you know, mm. people's feelings yeah. and it's, yeah. it's a lot. So yeah. anyways, lots of respect for everybody, but yeah. family law, for, I, I did, a, I did a few files and there's, I couldn't do mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. um, and so eight months in, one of my good friends from Cegep, who uh, she did her law school at McGill and she did more of the traditional route to begin with. She went into one of the big law firms for her internship, mm -hmm. but she also felt like she didn't really belong. Mm -hmm. And she knew I started my own thing. She knew I was struggling because I didn't really like it. Yeah, yeah. And she came to me, she's like, you know what? We should partner. We should create this new, um, outside of the traditional mm -hmm. law firms, mm -hmm. let's work. And it was right at the time in Montreal where the startup ecosystem was really booming. Really coming together. Um, and I remember I was reading all these stories. I was really, in that's where I, the interest really mm -hmm. came in. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted to be part of it, but I didn't know how, because mm -hmm. you know I have a law degree, I'm a lawyer. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Let me use my law degree creatively. Uh, her name is uh, Frederick. I was like, Frederick, you know, I'm I'm in. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. So that's how I jumped right in, and that's how we started Propulsio in May of 2015. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And what that's did right. that look like? Like what? What were the operations of that business? Like, what did you do? So the idea, and and the business still exists today, and I think it's the same um, approach. It was a one stop shop for businesses. That was sort of our tagline. Mm -hmm. So. We were both lawyers. Um, her boyfriend at the time was a financial analyst, business consultant. So 
we wanted to offer business consulting and legal services within the same space because nice. a lot of time they're disconnected mm -hmm. you either pay super high prices um now it's 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 evolved but yeah. super high prices for your corporate lawyer that mm -hmm. don't really speak to like the the you know mm -hmm. the business strategies yeah. so especially for startups startup and small business yeah exactly. and yeah. Uh, we had fixed rates so that's that was nice. really the mm -hmm. approach so that was sort of my way into the startup ecosystem in montreal so i that's when i started networking like crazy mm -hmm. every and in montreal like networking events yeah well pre-covid now it's it's coming back yeah right. there's one every night there's something happening well, all right. the time so i remember i was out i was doing these things and um i was invited to give different trainings on the legal aspects of starting a business um so at first we were three uh partners and her her boyfriend at the time was offering business consulting and we had other business consultants um, ad hoc. Mm -hmm. and, and then we grew the team a little bit. Nice. So we had a team of, we called them the junior lawyers, but really they were like two years younger than yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we had that. We had a really um, nice office space, a loft in uh, um, um, a cool uh, neighborhood in Montreal called, called St. Henry. Right. So I did that for three years. And what I really loved most was business development, yeah. going out yeah. there, giving presentations. Mm -hmm. And I remember the fun part was meeting with the clients who had all these amazing ideas. Yeah. So they would sit up with us in our in our boardroom, I remember, and we would talk about their business. And I would have so many ideas of strategies and who you should partner with and yeah. what to do. Yeah. And then the clients would leave and I'd be left with, oh, contract reviewing mm -hmm. or drafting. Mm -hmm. and, and I felt like completely dead inside yeah, once again yeah, so that yeah. was sort of my cue after three years to be mm, maybe it's time if you really want to evolve into go to that point b that you still don't know clearly what it is yeah, right. yeah. maybe it's time to to cut ties very cool i mean super super inspiring to hear that journey and that's coming from 16 to 24 right you went to fashion school you went to law school you went did a little bit of stint in, in, in medical and seen that wasn't for you um, to then starting your own business. And and, I, and that's why I tell anyone, um, if you have a business in mind, to, to, to start it. Yeah. Just because for nothing else, the experience to, I'm not just being a lawyer. I got to also, you know, do contracting. I got to also do all these other parts. I got to find team members. I got to go to networking events. I got to find clients. And and through that, you know, I'm sure you, you really set your life up to where you're at today. Mm -hmm. Just super inspiring. And like you said, just a, a real go-getter, right? Someone that... <laughs> Something's on my mind. I got something that I think I want to do. I'm just going to go. And I can appreciate that because I, we, we see a lot of people that they stay in this analysis paralysis stage. They don't want to try something. They, they're so scared. Um, and, you know, you're really someone that, that put yourself out there a lot of times. And, and, and it's obviously paid and, off. Right? And I also think, too, you know, one of the things that I appreciate from listening to, you know, you tell your story is you brought something else every time yep. you went to the next level. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, OK, I'm in medical school and obviously if you're in medical school you got to learn how to work hard there's a mm -hmm. lot of shit coming at you and okay now i'm going to law school okay boom you're learning different things law school now i'm, I'm working in an internship and i'm watching mm -hmm. how somebody is building their business from the ground up and i'm seeing how she's attracting clients and doing all these things okay now i'm starting my own business and i gotta go put in the grind so it's like every time it's like i'm bringing something else along with me and so like to the people because a lot everybody's journey is different there's people that just start and then there's people that do a lot of different shit to kind of get where they need to go but the, the key is like when you do go 
make sure that you're bringing something with you. It don't matter if you're working at McDonald's flipping fries. Like, pay attention to the way that McDonald's is operating. So when you're gone on your own now, it's like, oh, okay, I remember that process. I remember those things. So for me, I appreciate that part. Like, it's like I'm bringing something every time. Just keep adding to my toolbox. After Proposio, like you said, you got to that place of this was no longer for you. I believe you went on to work in recruiting, uh, specifically for, for, for startups. Um, or, or or new small businesses and helping them you know hire their 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 first hires which is huge and as well as Montreal International so helping you know international business come to Montreal two very cool gigs um and, and which I'm, I'm curious to hear a bit about both of those for sure yeah okay so when it was when I decided it was time to cut ties with Propulsio it yeah. took me a year mm-hmm. to come to that um, conclusion because we had put so much you know when you start it's your, your business your, your baby, baby yeah. Yeah. and I was you know I, I wasn't alone in that I had my business partner yeah. so it was extremely difficult for me to come to terms with that as well um, so I decided to cut ties and I jumped into nothing mm-hmm. because I couldn't be in this. In, you you can't be in your business looking for a job and doing it like it doesn't no, work. Don't work. It don't doesn't work. work. So it I had like to, you're cheating. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. It, no, and and I tried so many different things. I tried to cater to the fashion industry mm-hmm. in Montreal in my mm-hmm. services, the music industry because I'm really into that. Mm-hmm. Didn't really work out because you know, as we know, artists when they start out, they don't really have the funds, even no. if we were more affordable, to mm-hmm. come to lawyers. So, anyways, I cut ties and then I'm once again no idea what's happening next and it was also very difficult for me to pin down okay this is what I want to do or this is what I'm looking for Mm -hmm. and I always said I was like oh you know if if it was like oh I'm done with Propulsio now I want to be a painter or now I want to be this then there would be at least somewhat of a clear path to get there but right now I just know what I enjoy doing and Mm -hmm. how to put them all together continuing being who I am and being proactive, I uh, started meeting. So I I had built um, quite an interesting network in yeah. th- those three years. So I started meeting with different people, just to talk, and you know, people that were doing things that I was interested in, and whatever, and just talking because a lot of things in life is about who you know, right. and sometimes what you say to a certain person can spark mm-hmm. something and mm-hmm. connect you. So I was really looking for that more yes, than anything. Yes. Um, and one of our sort of partners at Proposio, nothing really ended up came to, to come out of it, but she was a headhunter, and she was starting. Within her firm, she was starting a, um, uh, I'm going to see services for startups. Mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm. where she was looking to partner with us because all of her um, clients were startups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And her and I clicked. So I reached back out to her just for a conversation. And in my mind, I'm, I am I was thinking, she's a headhunter. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for something. She knows me a little bit. So maybe if she sees a, an interesting position, she'll think of me. Right. Mm-hmm. And as we, you know, we talked and talked and she's, she said, you know, we're looking for actually a, a headhunter within our team right. um, and you could be doing um, headhunting for for lawyers because they had big law firms as clients mm-hmm. since I mean you're a lawyer you know the field but right. you could also do different other positions and truthfully I wasn't I was at a point where I was staying open to everything yeah. and what attracted me to headhunting was the I'm going to say the networking side because at mm-hmm. the end of the day you're meeting with clients that have specific needs mm-hmm. to allow their business to keep on evolving. It was yeah. not only startups. I had a few, but, um, and then you have to meet with 
a whole bunch of professionals with different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So that would also allow me to keep on researching and finding yep. things that I would like. Yep. And and I needed some a sort of stability as well at that point mm -hmm. because I felt lost. I needed something solid to land on. So it was perfect. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, I did that for about a year. Um, and I learned so, so much in doing that. Um, it, but you know, in my in my life, you would have told me, "Yeah, yeah you're gonna be a head yeah, no, Oh yeah. no, no, what are you no, about? no way! No way! I went yeah. to law school. Imagine telling your parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that's what that's what the the head hunting experience was was like. I did that for a year. Um, quickly after a year, I started feeling like I wanted to do something else. Mm -hmm. um, as you can see, I have a pattern where mm -hmm. I yep. get bored. I like a challenge. I got I got a little bit of a. I call it undiagnosed macro ADHD, but I don't know what it is yet. But yeah, uh, I, I get yeah. bored every six months of something, yeah. whether it's I activity. Every, every two, three months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, he knows me. But yeah. So you know that. Yeah, I know so it. I know it. Feeling. I know it. I identify with it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, so I, I felt like I, I, I wanted to, to do something else. It was great for the, for the time. So Montreal International, mm -hmm. actually, it, it's a very dynamic organization. Mm -hmm. So the um, the headhunting firm I was working for is called Groupe Millésim, and they had corporate partners. Montreal International was, was one of them. Mm -hmm. So that because Montreal International attracts companies, yep. they're looking for talent. So you know it was all mm -hmm. of that. Good, good, good. And um, I connected with a lot of the people working at Montreal International because as you can see, I love to talk. Yeah. Um, yep. I love to connect with <laughs> people, and 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 so anyway, so I got along with a few people there, and. Every single person I met from Montreal International was honestly really awesome. Mm -hmm. And I really liked the way the organization was positioning mm. itself. And I was really intrigued by the whole process of foreign investment attraction and mm -hmm. how it all worked. Um, and even before being a headhunter, I remember I, I went onto their website. I tried to apply to one of their jobs, but obviously I didn't even get a call or anything because mm -hmm. my profile is so strange, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then one of the uh, one of the people working at Montreal International became a friend, just like um, the my friend who recruited me mm -hmm. to become a headhunter. They're mm -hmm. good friends of mine till, until today. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, we should go for coffee. And I told Told her about my interest and where I was at and you know it was just the perfect timing mm -hmm. because she was at a point where in her team there was a need she was really um close with her boss and and the VP of that she's like you know what we're looking um you should go for coffee with them and figure it out yeah. and I went for coffee I met with um her boss and the VP of the foreign investment and in the process of recruitment mm -hmm. and it was a great conversation mm -hmm. about everything, why I was interested, what, you know, what Montreal had to offer. And yeah, three weeks after they said, we're still, we're waiting on whatever X, Y, Z. Yeah, there was yeah. a, and then that's how I got the, the position. So this episode, like every episode of season two, is brought to you by the great folks at Tribe Network, mm. specifically the Black Startup Project, a great project for black entrepreneurs to network, to get access to funding, to learn new skills, whether you're trying to scale your business, start your business, whatever place you're at in business, the Black Startup Project is a place for you. And it is needed, something that we haven't seen in a lot of years. If we had the Black Startup Project when we were coming through, we might have got to that million Ladies a little sooner. Ladies and gentlemen, soon. start your engines. <laughs> start your engines. <laughs> we're going. So check out the Black Startup Project, tribenetwork.ca, and uh, let's get to it. Yeah. And what, what specifically, you know, at Montreal International, like, what did you do? So, 
Very good question. <laughs> um, so in the foreign investment attraction team that I was part of, we're divided in in teams that cover different regions of the world. Mm -hmm. And what we do is basically prospect companies yeah. that we think could benefit from coming to Montreal to open offices. Mm -hmm. Keeping in mind Montreal's, I'm going to say Montreal's strengths, yes. right? Montreal is very big in AI. Montreal's trying to position itself in cybersecurity right mm -hmm. now. All of these industries, and also what's interesting in Montreal is we have a lot of um, universities attracting a lot of uh, international talent, mm -hmm. local talent, and just the general cost of living is lower mm -hmm. than other cities in the US and even in Europe. So there were different strategies mm -hmm. depending on which region you cover. Um, so we would do research online, just good old research, filling out Excel, mm -hmm. Excel sheets, trying to figure out, oh, this company just raised, maybe they'd be interesting and so on. And then there was the traveling part that I didn't get a chance to do. Oh. Um, but um, the traveling part where you actually go into big, big conferences, places all over the world mm -hmm. to meet with those companies and sort of sell them Montreal. Right. And also when they would come in, because a lot of them would come to Montreal to visit. Mm -hmm. um, so we would plan uh, that visit around going to visit co-working spaces, visiting um, universities or different um, uh, you know, centers. So all it was all, a little bit of all of that. So um, you're basically, you're selling Montreal, Montreal, but what you're doing is you're learning about businesses on a global scale, what they look like. Because in that research, you're going to learn a lot about a business and, and how they operate and how it would benefit them to be in this city. Which, I mean, you know, for me, I'm, I'm super excited to kind of get to the next part yeah. of what you currently do now. But before we go into that, I, I think as I'm here listening to your story and understanding, it all makes sense to me, uh -huh. right? Like it, it really makes sense to me why I think you're going to excel in the position that you're in currently and why you're going to be super relatable to to black entrepreneurs and super beneficial. Yeah. Right. Super because you, you you're not just plug somebody in, go do a job. It's like you understand startup. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you understand startup, but you also understand international business. You understand, you know, national business. So like, yeah, that's super I, the ingredients that have made up you to where you are now, I think is just super cool and makes sense. And I think um, it's a, it's a it's a crucial theme you know, from hearing your story, um, you know, one, like I said, to to try so many different things, but the wealth of experience that you've you've gathered mm -hmm. through your journey is is huge. And I'm sure it's probably not done. You probably got yeah, yeah, right, yeah. no one no one no one type of people we are. There's more yeah, to come. We're gonna circle back right? in a couple of years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, somewhere else up. But the different layers that 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 really pull together and and is again is why, you know, for me, I, I played basketball all my life, went to school and then I just went into the business world. Right. So there's a lot of things that I had to figure out mm -hmm. just, mm -hmm. you know, from from my life. But I appreciate the journey of going to law school, going to fashion school, going to the working for Montreal International, work, starting your own business, yeah. um, all of these layers, because it adds so much depth and so much wide knowledge to yourself. Yeah. To now. Now, now, now where I see you at currently with, with Futurepreneur, you can now pour that into entrepreneurs yeah. and help them grow and really. Just be have a different lens, um, which which is huge, right? And 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 kudos to you for sure for that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. After all this great things you've done, um, you now are the director at Futurepreneur within the Black Entrepreneur space, uh, specifically the Black Entrepreneur Startup Project. So I mean, tell the folks a bit about that. What what Futurepreneur does, what you do within that role. Um, we're we're real excited to hear hear about that. 
Yeah. And I just want to say thank you for everything that you've been saying about <laughs> my I wish I would have spoken to you while I was going through it to help me see, right? All the all the things because when you're doing it, you don't you see, don't you see don't it. know where you're yeah, going. You well, we it. wouldn't have been able to see yeah. it while you were going through yeah. it, you know. And then as I'm listening to you talk, I'm I'm picturing people I know mm -hmm. that are similar. I think it's giving me an appreciation of appreciation. their journey because they will land somewhere. Yeah. But I think along this journey, they're they're gathering the ingredients. Yeah, and it's right? crazy because our, our last guest we had in here, Ashley Hill, it was a similar journey of, mm -hmm. you know, she went to school, flunked go to school, and she went to another school, and she started her own business. She worked for the bank. She had a similar work mm -hmm. for nonprofits, and now she's in her own nonprofit space. Um, so this is the second time that this story really resonated with me around that journey, mm -hmm. and, and really, it really, really helps you land, which is now Futurepreneur, um, and I think it really helps you shine in that role. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. very curious to hear, hear hear about that. Yes. So um, one thing that I didn't mention throughout that, I'm going to say, professional academic journey mm -hmm. is I also always wanted to be involved mm. in volunteer opportunities, if yes. I may say, being yes. sitting on boards, mm -hmm. being involved in different committees. And everything that I did, on that side, either was related to women empowerment mm -hmm. or diversity, equity, and inclusion, yes. especially yes. for black communities. Yes. So I was also starting to build a network and also my understanding grew of yeah. all of these um, aspects throughout these um, these organizations. And so fast forward to my time at Montreal International, mm -hmm. I got to the point where I felt like it was time to do something mm -hmm. else as mm -hmm. I as I usually do. And I didn't, honestly, truthfully, I just didn't feel challenged anymore and it was a particular time because covid hit so yeah. everything that i loved about our job connecting with people and in companies from all over the world was done through a screen right. and it felt solely transactional yeah. so it was extremely heavy um but anyways kudos to the whole team at montreal international because yes. they push through and they keep on bringing so they many great companies yep. um so so yeah that was that and so i started looking and it was the same thing i actually started my mba in while I was at Montreal International, so I'm you went finishing. Back to school again. Yeah, I went back okay. to school again. Okay. Yeah, a, I'm finishing. Like right now, I'm so excited. Oh, wow. <laughs> now yeah. I'm done. I'm yeah. done now. This is the last time. Yeah, we'll see. Is, we'll see. We'll see. Never say never. Yeah. Might be um, a history major coming yeah. next or something. Yeah. <laughs> something, and we'll find a link. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I started my uh, my MBA, and I remember I went to the sort of the guidance counselor to figure out once more, what is it that I'm right. going to do next? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we started connecting the dots and I continued doing research. And then I saw the position of Futurepreneur mm -hmm. and it felt unreal. I would have never been able to put in words yeah. the position that I wanted, but mm -hmm. it was that. And it was scary at first. I started asking myself so many questions. Do mm -hmm, I really want to mm -hmm. do that? And I was already familiar with Futurepreneur because when I was at Propulsio, a lot of my clients and we, we directed them mm -hmm. to Futurepreneur for funding. Yeah. So Futurepreneur has been around for 26 years now, I believe. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. over 25 years offering um, finance funding. Futurepreneur is huge. Sorry. We um, we wrote our business plan on Futurepreneur. Yeah. And ah. it, uh, a couple funders said it was one of the best business plans I ever wrote. So quick shout out to Futurepreneur. There you any, go. Any Love entrepreneur that, that hits, hits me up, I tell them, go to, go to Futurepreneur, write your business plan. Yeah. The tool is great. They ask you the question, so shout out to Futurepreneur. Thank you. Yeah, Love yes, that. No, yes, sure. we have a business plan writer yes, online and cash flow projections. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's it's all on there. Um, yeah, so Futurepreneur offers uh, funding and...
and mentorship. They mm-hmm. really go hand in hand. Two young entrepreneurs yep. aged between 18 to 39 all over Canada mm-hmm. uh, and that are starting a business. So it's only for startups. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I saw that posting, started reading into it. I remember I, was speaking to, I spoke to my mentor about it, the guidance counselor, my friends, and everybody was telling me, this is a job for you. Mm-hmm. I was like, are you sure? Yes, no. I was like excited. Yeah. And I applied. And honestly, the, the process was super smooth. Mm-hmm. I connected really well with everybody that I met. And that's how I, I landed there. Yeah. And basically, like I said, Futurepreneur has been around for a very, very long time and yeah. always served a diverse mm-hmm. set of entrepreneurs throughout Canada. But with time, wanted to develop more specific programming. Mm-hmm. So we have an Indigenous startup program that has been around since 2019. And in 2021, um, with uh, funding from RBC, mm-hmm. we launched the Black Entrepreneur Startup Program. Nice. And so it was developed. It took about a year, I believe, mm-hmm. to develop. And then... They recruited me to uh, lead the program. So the program was launched on March 24, Mm -hmm. uh, 2021. And I started, my first official day was March 29. Wow, okay. Yeah. So you've been here since the beginning. Since the beginning. beginning. Since the beginning. And so in the BESP, here I am. I'm in Nova Scotia. I want to start a business. What does that look like for me? How do I connect with... I'm in the ages of... I'm 18 to 32. Yes. 29. 39. 18 to 39. Okay, okay. Yeah. 22. You're 22. And I want to start a business. I find the BESP. What happens next? Right. So there are different ways to connect with us. Mm-hmm. So the, I'm going to say, direct, simple way is to go on our website mm-hmm. and to fill out the lead generation form where okay. you put simple basic information to fall into the pipeline of business development managers mm-hmm. so and then you get connected with uh, the business development manager the the process there is really to understand okay and to validate also because we don't want to waste anybody's time right you know yes the age el- eligibility the status of the business the industries at futurepreneur were pretty agnostic in terms of industries mm-hmm. um so uh you know whether it's in in the uh, beauty industry mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. food industry mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. e-commerce were pretty open. The on- Not the only, there are different, there's certain things that we don't fund, obviously. But the main one I like to highlight is since we offer a loan, we have to be close to commercialization. Mm-hmm. So if you're at the R&D stage, you're too early stage to be right. uh, you know, eligible to a program. Yeah, right. So yeah. it's one thing that's generally um, validated with the business development manager. And then sort of the process starts. If it's a go and if the, the entrepreneur has solid business plan, cash flow projections, mm-hmm. they go on to the other team where the client relationship managers that we call okay. who really analyze the file and then it goes through the whole process. We do a credit check because it is a loan. Mm-hmm. In the program though, we are more inclusive than in our right. general program because we want to address specific barriers right. faced yes, by right, black right, entrepreneurs right. and we know that credit is one of them. So we're a little bit more inclusive but right. it's it's still mm-hmm. a loan. Still so there's still that game. you know that process behind it. Um, and then if all goes well you get matched with a mentor that happens before the funds are dispersed okay. so this is why it's really key and it's mm-hmm. important so the matching is done by our t- your mentorship team um in-house and i would just like to say we're always looking for mentors mm-hmm. we're looking for mentors they're volunteer mentors you it's on our website as well you can reach out to me if you want to know more and we want diverse mentors right, right? because mm-hmm. we have diverse entrepreneurs mm-hmm. so we're always looking for that um, so our team matches them uh, with their mentor and then the funds are dispersed and then the sort of the journey starts for wow. the uh, for the entrepreneur. Nice. So that's sort of the process. But there are other ways to sort of interact with Futurepreneur. 
You mentioned the resources we have online. Yes. We have so many templates for different industries, right? Of business plans. We have mm -hmm. cash flow projections and that is free. Mm -hmm. accessible to everybody you don't have to be in the age frame or anything you can mm -hmm. go on there and and play with it first and we have different webinars that we do um we have a you know webinar series to help you if you're at the idea stage we really want to we have different tools to help entrepreneurs get to the point where they have solid documents they have mm -hmm. a solid understanding of what it is they want to launch and then for them to be uh you know funded by us nice when it comes to you know uh, approving those businesses are, you, you know, you said during that process, we got to vet you and make sure that um, you're, you're right for what we're trying to do. What kind of things are you looking for? You know, hey, here I am as a business. I want to go through the program. I want to get funding. What are you looking for from me and my business um, to, to show you guys to say, mm -hmm. hey, you're, you're good to go? We want the understanding of what it is that you're selling, promoting, mm -hmm. how you're going to, you know, sell it, promote it. Who, basic, you know, right business plan, mm -hmm. who you're selling mm -hmm. it to. Mm -hmm. And on the cash flow projection side, and this is the one that is the most, well, one of the most, I want to say challenging parts. Mm -hmm. And we're mm -hmm. working on that to develop more programming around that. We want to see in three years how you plan on generating revenues, right. what you plan on spending on. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think it's the hardest part to do properly mm -hmm. and clearly. Yep. Because at yep. the end of the day, you have to think about it this way. If you're an entrepreneur, you're coming to us for funding, whether it's us or any other program mm -hmm. out there, any you know traditional financial mm -hmm. institution, aside from risk, we want to know how you're going to be able to repay us, right. but also how you're going to be able to repay us without it being the only thing you're able to do. Mm -hmm. Right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we want to be able to see that, sort of see the growth in it. There's also the aspect, and that's sort of an eligibility criteria. There's We, we want a job, a full-time job to be created in mm -hmm. that too. So for that to be clear from the numbers mm -hmm. and from the strategy around it. I want to pause just for a second because, you know, a lot of our, our, our listeners and viewers, um, you know, our, our majority, you know, idea, I want to start a business. I'm coming from, you know, underrepresented black communities or whatever, and I just want to go. One of the things that you just said was really important, and it was how are you going to make this business make sense in three years? We'll we give you the money. Like, let's just say we're just throwing money around. Like, if we give you the money and then you might pay us back, but, but now you're going and working a job to pay us back. Like, mm -hmm. say you're a great paybacker or whatever the case yeah. you call it. But, like, we want to make sure that this business is going to be able to pay us back and create a job for you and, and, and to not just be able to pay us back. And then now you're, you know, kicking cans, trying to figure out how you're going to survive for yourself. So I think it's really important yeah. to understand that. Like, so if you're an entrepreneur or you're somebody that's thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, maybe spend some time checking out the tools on Futurepreneur, especially the cash flow projections, because yeah. that's really, you know, a lot of times we talk to people that want to start a business. That's the part they can't see. Exactly. And I say to people all the time, like, you know, think like the funder, like yeah. imagine would you take your 10, 20, 30 grand that you're mm -hmm. asking for and give it to yourself? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, would you really do it? Like, do you believe in this business so much? Not so just like faith, but like, is it practical? Yeah. And right? that's a great point. Even if you're not looking for funding, I would say go through that process mm -hmm. of writing out your business plan, writing out your projections mm -hmm. for yourself, because yeah. even if you're just dedicating time, time. you know, yeah. you want to see if this business is viable. Can it make sense? in three years from now, and, and that's a great point to say, yeah. think like the funder, put yourself on the other side of this and say, okay, does this make sense for me to put right. this energy, this time, this money it might in, not. into this business? It, a lot it of might time not. It, doesn't. it might not, and that's okay, but mm -hmm. like, I would rather know that on the front end than, you know, um, 
twenty thousand dollars invested, yeah, and you know. I borrowed this money or whatever because some people can make it look good, but it just didn't make sense down the road. And I think it's cool that you made me mention to that, that that's what you look for. So like Futurepreneur and all these other lenders, they're not just giving you money or not not giving you money um, because whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, they're seeing something in this business that they just don't see as sustainable. So you have to make them believe. But I think first you need to make yourself believe. Yeah. And making yourself believe and creating that plan will make it happen. Right. Right. Not guessing. Um, not guessing. Yeah. Not and guessing. just one thing yep. that I'd like to add also is, on the other hand, know what amount you need. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because it's easy. For example, our funding goes up to sixty thousand mm. dollars, depending easy just on to say sixty thousand. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, I want, you know, I want, I want sixty thousand yeah. because yeah, yeah, yeah. no, show me why mm-hmm. yeah. you need the sixty thousand mm-hmm. and yeah. how it's gonna help you. That's another also, you know, yeah. key part of the uh, of the equation that you Certainly. have to think about. Certainly. How you're going to generate business in three years is one of the key metrics that you need to know yep. when you're And what are you going to do what with are that do? amount of money? Yeah. Specifically, if it's 30, 40, 50, 60, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. From a, a credit standpoint, I guess kind of tells, you know, what are you looking for from that? Is it a score? Is it uh, history? You know, a lot of us black folks, we don't got the best credit. Them phone bills, we, man. Okay? We got a couple. Always, un, we got a couple unpaid. It's always Rogers. Phone Rogers, man. Them, them jackasses. <laughs> we got a couple of those that that we might have had yeah. in collections, etc. Um, but you know, we're looking to turn our life around and start businesses and go for funding. So, I, I, what are you guys looking for when you when you're doing that credit check? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So, so it's tough because mm-hmm. whenever entrepreneurs go through the process. There's always that question, even partners, okay, so what's a credit score you're Mm, looking for? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We never answer that because there isn't a specific credit score. So that's the first thing I'll say. Mm -hmm. We look at the whole, I'm going to say the whole story, the whole file, and what affects the credit Mm -hmm. to see really if there's a risk or if there's an issue. And the other thing that's really key to understand also, let's say hypothesis hypothetical situation um there's a credit file with three collections Mm -hmm. and another Mm -hmm. one with a slightly lower score but it's just late payments Mm -hmm. and it's all clear there's a chance that the person with late payments uh receives the funding and the other one is deemed ineligible and the the thing to understand here is it's not like i said it's not just about the score but it's also the fact that if you have all these creditors coming at mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. even if we give you the funding there's a chance that it's taken yeah, away from you anyways yeah. and we also don't want to add a financial burden mm-hmm. if you're not ready to and that's the part that a lot of entrepreneurs that get declined don't understand don't, don't see. um but i think it stems from just general financial literacy mm-hmm. and understanding also yeah. what comprises your credit file so we developed credit information videos that are accessible to all entrepreneurs mm. um, online that, you know, you can just log onto our platform and view them just to understand what goes into your credit. Yeah. But it's it's really that's what we tell everybody basically mm-hmm. about the credit piece is that that's how it's 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 analyzed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're trying to protect you. Exactly. You know, yeah. from yourself, essentially, kind of like, you know, a parent. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I've I've been declined for funding before, so it's always like, man, f them, yeah. right? <laughs> but then, like, when I look back, it's like, you know what? Like, I was we ready really weren't that. ready. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then when the opportunities came and we 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 landed some funding for different businesses, it made sense. It made sense why they were interested in you know giving us the money, right? So I think it's it's really important to understand. I think that's why it's cool to have you here is because you are you're behind the boards. 
right? You're behind the boards and you're seeing it and um, you're capable. Like, and I think the reason why we asked those questions earlier to kind of get to know you, a lot of times when people, you know, this is them first meeting you, our, 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 our viewers, it's like, oh, well, she might be like the perfect person or she knows this. And no, this is somebody who, who, who come from a Haitian family in Montreal who got a hundred cousins. Like we got a hundred cousins <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know, like had she, to grind for everything. She's real. That she like got. this is a real person. She behind the boards. And so this is not just, you know, these institutions that are just saying no, it's like, nah, you got to have your shit together when you come, because if not, we in two, three years, you're going to be drowning. You know what I mean? So like, like learn how to swim first and, and, and come correct. What do you think, you know, what, what are the recipes that you see in your mind? It could be, four or five different things of of a successful business what type of things do you think exist or, or a startup maybe to make it a little bit more mm-hmm. specific um what would you recommend or what would you implore someone to have um you know just to to make sure their business succeeds in those first two three years the first thing that comes to mind whenever i get asked that question is there's no clear word but sort of the openness mm-hmm. and ability and flexibility mm. to pivot. Yes. Yeah. Because the worst thing that you can do as a startup founder is to stay stuck and in in you know in love with your solution mm-hmm. or your your mm-hmm. business and not taking into consideration the market and what yep. you know mm. what what mm. the market mm. wants needs mm. and you miss so many opportunities, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. that so I think that's number mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And don't you know, fall in love. With, don't say fall in love again. with your solution. Yeah. 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 Say that one yeah. more time. Yeah. Say that one more time for people because, man, yeah, just yeah. say that again. They say, yeah, fall in love with the problem and not the solution. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Because that's the way you're gonna, I believe, um, and it's it's been proven in different, you know, lots yep. of cases. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how you're more likely to succeed, right? Yep. Um, so that's really, really, really important. And I say this all the time. You may draft your business plan mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. and a month from now it can yeah. you know change and that's okay. Yeah. And that's how it should be. You have to stay receptive and 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 agile to be able to to seize all these different opportunities. Certainly. Nice. Certainly. Nice. So that's one. So that's what else one. Would you say? The other thing I would say is like don't be afraid to ask questions mm-hmm. a lot of people when you're starting out sometimes oh the whole startup ecosystem is new um the different funding solutions are new but everybody's there to answer questions mm-hmm. and it's okay if you're not ready for xyz program now but it's knowledge that you're gaining and to help you plan and strategize for when you're ready for it and a lot of people stay paralyzed oh maybe it's not the right time no 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 no. go out there talk to people ask questions it's not you don't i'm not saying you necessarily have to go out and uh, pitch your business when you're not ready that's not what i'm saying but it's more knowing and understanding what's out there and to continue doing that because mm-hmm. that's how you're going to you're going to learn I, I actually had a call yesterday with a Canadian um entrepreneur based in Australia a black woman uh, developing a tech company um, uh, using AI anyways she reached out to me out of nowhere mm-hmm. in the middle and and she just wanted to understand what futurepreneur was doing what other resources could be available. She's based in Australia for now, but she's moving. And I, you know, saluted her for for doing that because mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. specific came out of that call mm-hmm. because right now, because she's at the R&D stage and all numerous mm-hmm. reasons, she's not, this, she's not eligible to her program. 
But I found maybe three more people to connect her yeah, with right. yeah. that, you know, she's going to talk to as well and help her along her journey and also help her figure out, you know, mm-hmm. the next steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and even even banks, honestly, mm-hmm. people are afraid of banks or don't trust banks. But it's always good to know the tools and resources yeah. that are out there. Yeah. Um when it's the right time to, you know, I don't know, get that line of credit or the credit card or mm. that account or whatever, mm. just asking questions and understanding is key. Yeah, a lot of times we try to go into it like we know already. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to convince you I know. Like, yeah, you can trust me. I'm, I'm a trustworthy business person. You can give me money. You can give me resources and all those things. But sometimes it's like, you know what? Like, it's okay not to know. And if you ask questions... Now you know, and matter of fact, now they know that you know, so it just builds a better relationship. And so that's why I think too, like, you know, if you're a young startup mode entrepreneur, like as many programs as you can get into, not like programs, but like as much resources online that you can yeah. tap into, as much seminars and courses, organizations. Like, yeah, like to just learn some shit before you go because, or as you're going, like learning as you're going is really vital because, yeah, you're not going to know everything about business. And business, the world is constantly changing. No, right? th- th- those two, you know, really struck a chord with me. One, not falling in love with the solution. solution, falling in love with the problem. And two, asking questions. You know, we say it all the time. Um, when we go in certain rooms, we dumb mm-hmm. ourselves down. Mm-hmm. And I think people are more implored to, to, to give you advice, to talk to you when you don't know it all. And I think the the thing that stuck out to me as well is, you can ask before you're ready. Right. Right. So like, yeah. I don't have to, you know, oh, well, you know, most, most people say you can't get when your business, you can't get a line of credit until two years in. Right. But you can still go meet with the bank, have mm-hmm. that conversation um, to still ready your brain, prepare yourself ahead of time. I'm not asking, I might not be asking for today, but mm-hmm. I'm asking for six months down the road. I'm preparing myself. And through asking, I built a relationship and, you know, that lady from Australia, you connect her with three other people. Um, and I think just putting yourself in those conversations with people, mm-hmm. those networks, uh, is, is huge for sure. So that's that's dope. Next question I have. We seen a stat the other day uh, that black women are the leading, you probably heard this, black women are the leading founders of new businesses mm-hmm. in North America. Um, in the U.S. alone, black women accounted for 30% of the new small businesses started. That's huge. Right. And we did the numbers. I think black women might represent 5% of the population. Mm-hmm. So when you hear that, what do you think? Why do you think that exists? There's a huge influx of black women starting businesses, bringing things to life, and, and really, you know, on a takeover. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's funny. We see that as well, even mm-hmm. with our program. Mm-hmm. When you look at the stats for year one, mm-hmm. um, we funded 136 businesses, mm-hmm. and 49% wow. of them were women led. Wow. Wow. See, so it's really in yeah. Canada. Yes. Uh, yes. Throughout Canada. Yeah. The black businesses? Yes. 136 black businesses funded. Forty nine of them. Forty nine percent. Jesus. Forty nine percent black women. That's huge. Yeah. That's, That's huge. really huge. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. like seventy, almost close to seventy black women yeah. businesses in Canada. Yeah. That's dope. That's what's up. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh positively crazy. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of research and studies that came mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm in the past two years, yeah. but we finally have data, right? Mm. Around around black entrepreneurship yes. and black women. Yep. And why I like these stats so much and why I'm so proud about our program and even generally in Futurepreneur, we, we, we find a lot of uh, a high percentage of, of women is that we see 
that most women bootstrap, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Use their personal, yeah. um, you know, funding to to start. And and another interesting uh, thing was that, and I don't know the exact percentage, but uh, a large percentage of them were highly educated, mm-hmm. but not generating. Mm-hmm. that much revenue so like, like mm-hmm. lots of micro businesses mm-hmm. um so there's there's definitely something to do there but what i think um is 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 happening right now and a lot of things that we put on the pandemic's yep. back but it's yep. huge right yeah. it, it yeah. shifted yeah. so many things mm-hmm. where women were because a lot of um the how do you say that the um not chores, but the uh, the household mm-hmm. responsibilities, mm-hmm. taking care of the children and so on, a lot of the time fall on the women. Yes. And I think that turned a lot of women through entrepreneurship to sort of build their own things. Mm-hmm. And I think there's also a large percentage of black women that even reinvest sort of in the community and a lot of their businesses that they uh, start around giving back to the community in one way or another. I find that extremely inspiring, but I'm excited to see now that we have these stats for right now, what will it be like in five years? Right. Will the numbers rise? Will more will more of them access funding mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know prepare and get larger numbers and, and bigger businesses? Yes, That's what we're preparing yes. for, right. you know, right now. And we have to meet them where we're at. So it's uh, it's exciting. interesting. And hearing yes. that, hearing that alone, just yeah, just gives me a little yeah. little rush of like, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. going to be real cool to see in the next right. five to ten years because this is like the first, this is the beginning yeah. of like you know. Black women being funded yeah. and black being businesses able being able to like yeah. you know like like yeah. this is the first like this is the beginning of you know black people but black women specifically that are in a position where mm-hmm. there's a lot of resources being dumped into them because yeah. they are underrepresented but super capable and I think yeah in the next five years I'm I'm really excited to see you know some mega Canadian black businesses yes. yeah. that are led and owned by women and I think that they're going to help you know change the world absolutely yeah mm-hmm. for sure absolutely. we say it all the time black women are the the cornerstone of the black community yeah and they've always been super super humans yeah it's things that they did mm-hmm. with nothing yeah uh, making something out of nothing so now that we, we're getting a little something and they're in the business world yeah, yeah i think they they take it to levels that we've never seen before yeah, yeah. um so that's super dope we're gonna wrap it up with a couple quick little rapid fire questions a couple questions i steal from a couple podcasts that always just gives me an insight on people. How much would you say of, of where you are today was out of luck versus hard work? Is there a percentage? What would you say about that? Wow. I know they're rapid fire questions, but I have to think yeah, about that. Yeah, no, yeah, no. <laughs> they, they get thrown at you rapidly, but they're not always answered rapidly. Hmm. I would say roughly 75% hard work, 25% mm-hmm. luck mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I would probably sure. go a little further to say I don't really hear it, see it as I just think you were always positioning yourself. You're a big networker. You yeah. you've always took that coffee. You you were exactly. doing those things, and that's what kind of led to the. So, you know what, what I mean? What they like, say about luck? Something like if you put yourself in the position, luck will follow you. Yeah, something, yeah, like, something that, like that. Right? Yeah. Like it's not no, it's not really luck. It's just yeah, you had to go to that coffee meeting. Yeah, and then I had to say hi to that person exactly at that networking event. I had to befriend that person mm-hmm. in school. It wasn't mm-hmm. luck that you came to our show today. We chatted with Alfred. We true. we connected with him. True, he connected true, us. True. Right. So that's how I see yeah. it. Intervention. Right. Divine intervention. intervention. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um, another one. If you had a big billboard anywhere in the world, huge, and you got to put one sentence on there or one word or one phrase, what would you put on that? Okay. So it's a quote that I like. Mm-hmm. 
and I forget exactly how it goes, mm-hmm. but when there's no opportunity, you build the door. Mm. It was uh, basically what it means. So it, it it's about creating your own opportunities, your if, own. even if it, if if the door is not there, you you build you it. The door. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. that okay. would be it. That's fire. Yeah, that's what's up. I can see that like everywhere. If there's no door, you build the door. Mm. We might got to steal that one. Yeah, that'll be my next Instagram caption. <laughs> <laughs> well. Man, this has been a, a great convo. I'm uh, leaving super inspired. Mm-hmm. It was great to meet you. You yes. know, I feel like I, I know you through and through yes, today. Yes, yes. Um, anything last you want to share before we we kind of close it out? Um, I would just say, as we've said throughout yes. the, the the story, never don't be afraid of doing anything. Mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't work out, you'll get something out of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, seize yes. all the opportunities that yeah. come. Go and thank it. you so much. For, I love this. I, I love connect with, connecting with both of you. And oh. yeah, very excited, very yes. happy about this yeah. opportunity. Yes, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can tell them if anywhere you can tell them where to find you, where to find Futurepreneur, anything that you're doing. Yes, so if you want to know more about the program, head over to www.futurepreneur.ca slash BESP. We also have a podcast called Startup and Prosper um, that I host, so I'm keeping note of the both of you because, you you know, we're preparing for season two. That's available on all streaming platforms. Um, We also host webinars every month. They're called How to Apply Webinars, so Mm. they're, you know, straight up uh, what the program is about and how you apply to it. Mm-hmm. So you can log on. There's French and English. Nice. Um, so yeah, these are all the ways you can you can connect with us, and we're all we're on all uh, social media. Gotcha. So if you want to know more, Sweet. I'm super grateful. You know, for the opportunity to meet you yes. on air. You yes. know, I think that was pretty cool. Like that's the first time that we've done an episode Something with like somebody that, that we, we never, never met knew. before. Yeah, nice. um, prior to, but I think you know, as Navelle said, like we got to know you throughout this podcast, and I think it was really inspiring to hear your story yep. and your journey yeah so I'm, I'm super grateful for that because yep. i call this show like my therapy session like mm-hmm. you know the world is just crazy out here we come in here and we just talk to people for and our sometimes it's just us so to kind of you know share therapy session with you and just to listen and learn so much about you I, I'm, I'm super thankful for that so you know appreciate yeah, you being here definitely thank, thank you, you for coming like you said fresh off a plane and i really connected with you mm-hmm. and i think there's a relationship that will exist absolutely after this, right absolutely before you leave we're going to bring you to the kitchen we're going to yes, yes, maybe yes. bring you to the north press and see the community but i think we got to make a trip to montreal maybe mm-hmm. yes maybe please you guys do please that do. invite us on the pod we'll come yes, out there yes. and yes. connect with the folks there but super excited and um and happy to meet you and once again thank you for, yes, for coming yes. along the show. Thank yes. you. Thank yes, you. Thank yes. you so much. I ain't a businessman. I'm a business, man. Now let me handle my business. <laughs>